Lovely to see you. Everybody okay in the balcony? Yeah, good. Everyone good? Fantastic. You all look amazing. So we are going to be going through Colossians, looking at kingdom culture over the next few weeks. And if you didn't hear Luke's talk last week, you missed an absolute treat. It was absolutely incredible. I personally found it very, very, very encouraging, very challenging, all of the above. So if you didn't, didn't, you weren't here, if you just go to our you go to YouTube, SDC Sheffield, you'll find it. I absolutely recommend that you, you listen to it. And if you're a student here, raise a hand. You're very, very well. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Be, you know, come on. Uh, it's amazing to have you with us. Um, and we hope whatever church you land in in Sheffield, we'll pray for you. That's our commitment to you. But it's amazing that you're here. And we love you. And we love the city of Sheffield. If you've come to Sheffield, we believe you've come home. We think it is the spiritual capital of the UK. Amen. And we'd love you to wash you here, love it, serve it, seek its peace and its prosperity. That's what our heart is, and that's what we hope that you will do too. Okay, so going to ju- show a picture first of all. Is that you, James Royal, up there? Let's go for a picture. So there you go. There you go, folks. So Chris and I, uh, my wife Chris is on the front row. We, why are you looking embarrassed? That's, you look, I think you look good there, my love. So this is us, folks. We've been married 19 years. 19 years on Monday, and um, that is me on the right, in case you're wondering. That is definitely me. And the reason that I shared that picture is um, my lack of hair is somewhat of a topic of discussion in our family. And really, the whole conversation was brought to a particular focus on Monday when we showed this picture, and my youngest daughter, Phoebe, said, that, Who's that man? I, see my, I can see mummy, but who's that man? He'd been married before. And I said, no, 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 that's me. And she's like, that's not you. She's like, because that man's got hair. And I said, no, it is me. And she said, it can't be you because she's like, yeah, your head's upside down. <laughs> and so we went on, well, why, why is your hair so short? And I said, it's not short. It's, I'm bald, love, I'm bald. I don't have a choice. They said, well, did it fall out in the shower? No, it didn't. It just, you know, one day it just gave up and left. No, it just stopped growing. I had these conversations, and she just couldn't get it. And I even found a picture of me to prove it was me from the, from, well, the days. I actually had spiky hair, believe it or not, a long time ago. And I said, look, who's this? And she just very tentatively looked at it and said, is it daddy? I said, yeah, it's me. She just didn't get it. Just That's not her experience. All she's known is me with this very, very fine head of hair, or lack of. It's all she's known. So for this, it just absolutely threw her. And I was thinking a lot about what we recognize and, and how we see things. And I was thinking, this, is, this has been going on, this conversation's been going back and forth in our household for the last week or so. And I was thinking about what, what does it mean to recognize what is it like when you see somebody? I was thinking particularly tying it into this concept of kingdom culture. Like, what does it mean to recognize Jesus? Because the core for us as a church, if you're new here, is that we are a church that is for the city. And that for us is rooted in Jeremiah chapter 29. 
And part of that is, is, as we, is that we, we step into the original mandate at the beginning of time in Genesis that, that the people of God always represent him, that we, that we look like him. But we know through sin and through the fall that that is broken and marginalized. So the question for us as a church is, is what does it look like to be here? What does it look like to interact with us? And do we look and smell like Jesus? And how does Jesus transform us to become like his son? And I think the Apostle Paul has something to say to us today. And we're looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 24, down to 2, verse 5. So let's jump in now, if that's okay. The the, uh, words will appear on the screen. This is the Apostle Paul. Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Just, Just listen to these words. Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission of God, gave to me to present to you the word of God in all its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery. And just listen to these words, okay? Which is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not met me personally, my goal is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of the Lord. Absolutely perfect. Okay. So where do we see Jesus and do we always recognize him? Now, here's the thing I found, is that sometimes circumstances in life make it hard to see him. You know, like when life is a challenge, sometimes hard to see where Jesus is in it. Yes, sure, Sunday, songs are going, and you feel good. Yeah, yeah. And then you return. Maybe that WhatsApp comes in, and it's a, a family friend or a family member or you're waiting for a diagnosis or there's pain, a broken relationship or betrayal or you're not sure about your job or the job or the environment is, is difficult, it feels toxic and you're like, I'm, I'm not sure where Jesus is, is in this. So, so asking the question, where do we see Jesus, can sometimes feel clunky, 
certainly can for me. And yet there's a, in the context for, for this part of the letter that Paul writes the, the Colossian church is that there is, there is challenges in the church. There's a sense of division. There is confusion through a particular type of teaching which has now begun to infiltrate the church. And this type of teaching is causing a real split. So, so, and some Christians are, are now taking a posture which is like they are better than other Christians because they get special knowledge and special revelation. Anybody ever watch Phoenix Nights? It's, this is like really makes me, I'm a middle-aged man, let's just get it on the table. I know your lack of hair gives that away. But there was a show called Phoenix Nights. Anybody remember that? Okay, do you remember Clinton Baptiste? I'm getting the word. Okay, we can edit that off YouTube, it's fine, that's okay. It's a sense in which people had special revelation, divine revelation, where they saw particular aspects of God that other people didn't see. And it was creating a division in the life of the church. And so Ephras makes his way to Rome where Paul is under house arrest. So a difficult time for Paul, a difficult season for the life of the church. And here is part of Paul's response. And what Paul does is reveal to us something really helpful. Paul reminds us that we are part of a different story. He's reminding the church that you are part of a different story. And earlier last week, as Luke spoke about this, he reminds the church of the absolute power and supremacy of Jesus Christ. That he was in the beginning. He is above all things. That his words have power to speak creation into being. And he says that that you are in the midst of a challenge. You are in the hard place, but you are part of a different story. The supremacy and the power of Jesus Christ. He reminds them of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done supremely on the cross, which is to reconcile us back to him. He says you are part of a different story. And sometimes in Certainly in life, in those moments where we say, where is Jesus? We can sometimes think, Jesus, we know that you work, but I don't think you can work in this situation. Jesus, if my circumstances were different, if I got that pay rise, if my kids were went to that school, if I got that job, if this hadn't happened to me, or what, then my life would be different. And that's when, Jesus, you could work. But it's in that situation, in that particular moment, where is Jesus? And the apostle says, Paul says, we're part of a different story. He is with you and in you. Hence why Paul says, I, is, there's a rejoicing in his suffering. Well, that makes no sense. Who rejoices in suffering? For real? You serious? Yeah, I'm suffering. I love it. Oh, another beating. Was it five times he was beaten with 39 lashes? Beaten with rods. People say that the Apostle Paul, towards the end of his life, they say he was bald. How they know that, I don't know, but I find that very reassuring. He walked with a deformity because such are the physical beatings. Who, honestly, who rejoices in that? Seriously. Well, he does. And he does because he's part of a different story. And here is what Paul is saying. He's saying he's writing to the Colossian church with a deep passion and love in his heart. You can feel the tenderness. You can, you can feel the love. And he's saying that Jesus, the one who's, who speaks it all into being, steps into history. 
the incarnation. He becomes like one of us, yet without sin. He lives the life that we could never live. And so what that means for the Apostle Paul is he said, look, when he suffers, when he goes through challenges, he counts it a joy. Why does he count it a joy? Because it brings him closer to Jesus. He's living the life that Jesus lived, and it's glorious because he gets to be like his Savior. In that circumstance, there is one person who knows exactly what it is he's going through, and his name is Jesus Christ. Think of the hardest moments. Think of those painful times when you don't know how it's going to go. We feel abandoned. You feel betrayed. Where do you go? You know, like when you're experiencing something really painful and, you've, and you meet somebody and you discover that they've gone through the same thing? That's just a beautiful moment, isn't it? Because you don't need to pretend. You can just be because they know. Well, for the Apostle Paul, as he's gone through shipwrecks and all these terrible things in his life, he's encountered in those darkest moments, Jesus. And in those darkest moments, there is one who is there and there is one who knows and there is one who's experienced and walked that path before. In fact, if you read a lot of Paul's uh, words, this particular verse makes massive sense. Verse 27, to, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is this theological concept for Paul, and it's this. We are in him. We are in him. And if we are in him, he is in us. People call it covenant. It means that when we encounter the Lord Jesus, where we give over our life to him, where he has access to all of our, all of our life, where we confess our sin, where we confess the stuff we've believed which isn't true, all of the stuff we bring before him, his life begins to manifest in us. It is the hope of glory. We are part of a different story. So as Paul is writing to the Colossian church, they're going through this really difficult time, and he's in prison. He's like, have hope. Be encouraged because you're part of a different story. And if in your most difficult, painful moments, you can encounter the Lord Jesus Christ with more beauty as you go through the valley and in the pain because he has gone before you and you can discover him in it. Luke beautifully shared last week of a time when he was at David's tent recently and the Lord Jesus encountered him and he encountered Jesus as a massive just a, and, 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 and working with Luke I can see it and it's amazing but this part of me just thought well do you know what all right for him that doesn't happen to me 
And I want to say something to us today. Is the Holy Spirit works in those amazing, explosive encounter moments. Hallelujah. That is why we believe in calling for prayer at the, every time we gather and praying for the Holy Spirit to move because we believe one touch from the Father can bring radical change in a second that years of therapy can bring. We believe it. I've seen it. I've just not experienced that. My own journey is one of the process of the pain of life excavating the things within us that have to be removed and brought out. The presence of God with us, kind of moving with us, taking us on a journey, highlighting things in our lives which aren't right. And in the process of repentance and confession that he transforms us to make us become like him. It's what the Apostle Paul says that his prayer isn't that the Colossian church just convert to Jesus, but they become mature in him. So how is it do we mature? One of the ways that we mature is we realize that we're in a circumstance and in the sovereignty of God, however tough that circumstance might be, that Jesus has a plan because we're part of a different story. And the thing that is designed to destroy us or to discourage us, that in the sovereignty of God, he can turn it around for his good. That is genuinely what the Apostle Paul believes because his experience is in, we've seen Acts chapter 7, as Stephen is being stoned to death, there's a man called Saul who's watching it happen. There can't have been a 24 hours in Paul's life when he didn't think about how Jesus Christ had radically saved him. He was as zealous as the Taliban. And Jesus turns him around. And how does Jesus turn him around? Jesus encounters him and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He doesn't say, why do you persecute the Christians? Why are you giving the Christians a hard time? He says, me. Because we are in him. And when he looks at us, he sees his son. That is the love that he has from the Jewish understanding of kind of grafting in or grafting if you're visiting from the south like a vine that his life is our life which means the pain that we travel in those dark times those hard times when we embrace Good Friday and the pain and the silence of Saturday the sense of where is God in these moments we remember Jesus who cries on the cross my God, my God, where have you? Why have you forsaken me? And then the hope of Easter Sunday is ours. So whatever you're going through right now, it may seem like overwhelming, but we are part of a different story. And in the times where it doesn't make sense, we think, God, why are you doing this? Are precisely the times that he uses for his glory. That he uses to get hold of our lives and says, this journey is painful, but I'm going to use it for my glory. 
because he is in us and he changes us so that his glory transforms and shines through us. It's almost a year, not quite, till I went off. I had a, a major burnout and for me, that was, that was hugely painful and for that of our family. Although my eldest daughter now tells me I'm less grumpy than I was before. I don't know whether that's true. We'll have to have a discussion. I don't know. I like to think that. But it was hugely painful. I discovered that, that my own fragility, my own mental health, all of that stuff, I... I was on medication, still on medication. I saw a counsellor. It was just, couldn't leave the house. It was, it was a dark, dark, dark time. Had to come to terms with a lot of things. And part of it was beginning to believe that what I thought of myself is not what he thinks of me. I needed to change the tapes. If you're young, Google what a tape is. But in my day, we used to have tapes. I realized the voices and the narrative that I'd spoken over myself, sometimes it cursed myself, actually. I'd said it so often, I'd begun to believe it, that it created areas in my life where the Spirit of God could not go because it was guarded with a big bolt on it and a big padlock, and the padlock had gone rusty, and it says, do not cross here. And in the moment of, ex, of kind of that erosive, the, the way that the, our, our souls are sometimes eroded through pain and events, it was blown open. And what came out was not very pleasant. And yet Jesus was in that moment, the only one who knows, the only one who can bring significant transformation. And it was ugly and it was vile. And there were times when I'd come back from the council and there was a freedom because I believe it was almost like a deliverance of being setting free for things that had held me for too long. Yes, God uses amazing encounters, mountaintops, but the valley, nothing grows on the mountain. It's in the valley is fertile. And the valley is where some of us find ourselves. And in the do not give up. Do not accept the lie God is absent. Do not accept the lie that God is not with you. But he's in you, with you and it's his purposes and it's painful. But there is gold. Stick with him. Because his longing is to make you more like his son. And for me, I realized that I carried a deep victim mentality. It was everybody else. It wasn't me. It's just I was always in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's all other people. Other people again, oh, other people ask this, not me, not me. And the problem with victim mentality, folks, it's not very joyful. Not a lot of fun to be around. It loves cynicism. It loves it. It loves going, all right, for some. New car, all right, for some. Nice holiday, all right, for some. It kind of lives in that cynicism. And I really felt there was a moment, an invitation from the Spirit, like, do you want to be free or not? I don't want to be free. I had to come to terms with these things in life. I had to encounter Jesus, give it back to him. It was humbling. It was painful. But it was profoundly powerful as Jesus does his work. This is, what I've, this is what I've reflected on. There are things in our hearts, anger, bitterness, cynicism, victimhood, whatever it might be, that become like a, 
They become like a coat, you know, like a comfortable coat that you love to wear. They become comforting. This is just my experience. And sometimes, it, you know, it's like a, you've got like a nice coat. You buy a brand, like, like I've got, okay, let, let's use Birkenstocks, okay? Okay? I have a pair of new Birkenstocks, and I've got a pair of really old Birkenstocks. They're falling apart, but they are so comfortable. Those new ones, they shred your feet. Awful. But the new, those old ones, oh, put them on. It's like walking on air. Beautiful. Sometimes for, for me, it was a choice of do, do I put on the old ones because it's comfortable? Or do I step into the new? And I wonder for, for, for um, some of us, I don't know, that's just my story. But I think that my experience is this. We can have a perception of what Jesus should and shouldn't do. And when he doesn't do what we think he should do, we take a step back. And our hearts get a little colder. Hearts get a little harder. We still come to church because it's good for the kids. And we, you know, and it's 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 easier than having to explain to people that we've actually not following Jesus anymore, but we keep coming. But actually, we know. And I wonder if the Spirit of God is saying to some of us, I want to fill you so profoundly, powerfully with my presence. I want to break that off so that you can look like Jesus to a hurting, broken world. Or for some of us, it's like, hey, we're going on a journey. It's going to be a challenge. But do you want to be free? Do you want to take off that comfortable coat or those old Birkenstocks which you've walked in for a long time and step into the freedom that I have for you? To become like my son. To, to, to walk with a confidence and a belief that you're loved. To break that negativity and shame that constantly is defining your life. To, to look in the mirror and think, Joe, I've got no hair, but it's fine. Because one day I'll go to glory and I'll have a full head of hair. Hallelujah. Or you don't like the way you speak or where you're from or this happened in your childhood or whatever it might be. Do you want to be free of all those things? And walk in the authority of a father who loves you. And smiles over you. And here's the thing that we do. Is that we embrace what Luke said last week, which confession is our armor. It's going to appear on the screen any minute now. Yes, thank you, James. And how do we... What, and, and the thing that I think that we need to break in the church, and hear me when I say this, is that... that Honesty is a poor substitute for confession. What do I mean? It is very easy in a season of life in our culture where authenticity is valued and honesty is valued. And I'm all for being honest and I love authenticity. But you know, from my own pre-burnout, I know that I can be honest enough with you to think that you think I'm much better than I am. I can have honesty on WhatsApp groups and small groups or tables, 
But actually, that isn't the same as confession. Confession is coming and saying, I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to have a version of myself which is better than I really am and cover up the secret sin and the secret shame, which no one else knows about. I'm going to come before you and say, Jesus, you are higher than the rock that is higher than I. You are everything. And I want to encounter you. So I give it to you. I surrender it to you. I confess my sins before you. And folks, if we see the patterns of revival of old, that's what it looks like. People begin to confess their sin. The Spirit of God says, we'll have that. Why? Because he's got a big wagging finger? No. Because he says, you're my bride. And I have so much in store for you. I have such a life of abundance and overflowing and you're in the valley now and it's brutally painful but if you stick with me in the refiner's fire the gold will come. Let's stand together, shall we? One of the things that struck me was that the early church, they confessed their sins to each other. Can you imagine that? Your table on Tuesday. Hands up here who's been looking at pornography. Can you imagine that's what happened in the Methodist revival? They took sin so seriously. So just pray now. Let's just wait on the Spirit. And um, The Lord's with us. And... Um, Sometimes in these moments, we're not, we're not always sure what it is the Holy Spirit's saying. So Holy Spirit, will you, will you place your finger on where it is, Lord, you long to bring freedom in Jesus' name? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. It's for freedom. Freedom in Jesus' name. And I just pray that for some people, that, you, that maybe a sense in which um, it's time to let go of bitterness, anger, cynicism. Just let it go. The Lord, just bring it to Him. For others, that's a journey. Jesus, and and. And the, I feel for some people, the Lord Jesus now wants to, to... There was an image of your life years ago that you used to carry. You believed it from, was from the Lord. And you look at your own situation, you can't see Jesus in it. And the Lord Jesus wants to come and break that and to release to you the life he has f for you. Nothing is wasted. And I really feel the Lord wants... Nothing is wasted in the kingdom. You may have gone a different path, but God can redeem it and turn it around and grow something beautiful in my mind's eye. I see a beautiful garden and the Lord Jesus saying, that is your life. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies. Holy Spirit, will you come right now? Jesus, 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 Jesus. And two things we say. It, it, 
We'd love to pray with you. I'm just going to invite you to come to front. We'd just love to praise. Nothing magic about that, but we just we believe we're a family. We're in this together. We want to stand with you, pray. It might be you want to stay where you're seated and you want the person next to you, maybe you know them, to pray for you, to be, bring the power of God to bear in your circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen.